Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Tim Regan with Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Danny Stricker, president of Ascension Living, which is the senior care subsidiary of St. Louis-based nonprofit health system, Ascension. Ascension Living has seen firsthand the value of having healthcare services in senior living. Over the past seven months, the organization has leaned on the Ascension Health System for help getting crucial resources and in broadening telehealth access for its residents. The organization is also evaluating its communities for new opportunities to best serve older adults in the pandemic era. Before we get to that interview, I'd like to take a moment to highlight our SHN Architecture and Design Awards. This annual competition recognizes cutting edge design and excellence in senior living across the US and abroad. Last year, we received more than 100 entries for consideration, and we're looking to celebrate even more unique projects this year, including both new development and rehabs that are improving the lives of seniors through innovative design. If you think you have a project that fits that description and you're looking to showcase it, visit shnawards.com. Submissions are currently open and the final entry deadline is October 31. Now, here's my interview with Danny Stricker, president of Ascension Living. Danny Stricker, thank you so much for coming on Transform today. I wanted to start by asking you, what are some of the biggest challenges that Ascension Living has had to deal with as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Tim, thanks for having me. And we really appreciate the opportunity to share more about our learnings and in our journey in this new era of healthcare. Obviously, like everybody, you know, we've had several challenges in managing through this COVID-19 pandemic. Some of the biggest ones that I would say really out of the gate is just really mobilizing to make sure that you know, our communities have every resource available to be successful. As we've organized ourselves to respond to this pandemic, you know, I just continue to be amazed at the flexibility of our teams and being responsive to the various changes. Some of the, you know, the additional challenges, you know, first, just mobilizing to make sure that we can distribute adequate PPE was one of the early challenges and our teams responded very well. We also know that there's been several regulatory changes that uh, continue to evolve and navigating through those to make sure that, you know, we're not only meeting the needs of the residents, but also from the governing bodies uh, to make sure that uh, we're being compliant. And, you know, I'll tell you, being successful in this era, I believe, has many uh, similar foundations as pre-COVID. And, you know, for us, staying true to who we are as a Catholic ministry and serving our residents, our participants, with that core philosophy in mind is certainly helping us deal with this pandemic moving forward. How is Ascension Living faring with regard to occupancy and move-ins? Yes, certainly uh, has had its challenges to say the least. We, you know, the month of September for us was the first month since the start of the pandemic, which by my count is going on seven months, that we saw overall occupancy rise in Ascension Living. And we've seen, a, you know, the impact change by service line. So, for example, not a surprise, our skilled nursing communities continue to be the most challenged as it comes to occupancy. And that said, we've seen a rebound within our short-term rehab census uh, in September. Our memory care service line has also seen an occupancy gain over the past 90 days. And I think a lot of that is, is really geared toward the specialization that we provide with respect to memory care and 
the programmatic approach that we take to make sure that holistically, you know, the memory care residents have all that they need to be successful, which is really hard to do at home. We've also seen nice growth and stabilization within our PACE programs. And uh, our independent living is also starting to rebound and pick up with move-ins. So overall, each service line, different impact, but we're starting to see some positive movement across the board. And what are some things that you are especially proud of at Ascension Living right now? You know, first, our teams have just done a heroic job in providing the bedside care as well as adapting to these unprecedented times. You know, there were two things that we committed to out of the gate. Number one is that we're going to continue to invest in what we do well, which is which is care for our residents and make sure that nothing gets in our way to achieve that. And then the other thing that we committed to was to make sure that our associates felt whole during this time. They have shown unwavering commitment and providing joy to our residents and our participants. I'll give you an example. We've we've had well over 20 Ascension Living team members travel to other communities throughout the country to help out. You know, as we've had positive associates that needed to go on furlough, our team stepped up and they helped provide that bedside care uh, for those uh, fellow associates. And, you know, as I look at our mission statement and Catholic identity, we're continuing to also find ways to serve and grow our reach even throughout this pandemic, which I'm extremely proud of our teams for doing. I recall that this year, Ascension Living was due to implement a strategic repositioning. And I remember the initial plan was to perhaps move away from what you called healthcare-focused choices. So I'm curious, how has COVID-19 affected those plans? So we put together a very thoughtful three-year strategic capital plan and completed all that work in November before the pandemic started. And, you know, I'll tell you, a lot of the core pillars of that strategic plan, we believe, continue to remain solid. And I'll give you some examples. You know, first, you know, we know that there's an increased demand for aging in place, as well as more affordable options for older adults. And we also know that with COVID-19, the reality is that still today, there's a heightened level of fear and hesitation to leave the home, which we've all experienced, uh, particularly as it relates uh, to our move-ins. In May, we took the time to reassess that strategic plan to see if COVID would alter them or not. And, you know, within our core pillars, we believe that we still have a very solid strategic capital plan to make sure that we do invest in in service lines to meet people where they are and closer to home. And some examples of where we're going to be investing our resources and, and also ensure that our organizational structure meets the demand to continue to grow. Uh, First is we really want to continue to invest in our PACE service line. PACE for us is a very mission-focused service line that continues to meet the needs of frail seniors and elderly at home with the supportive uh, care of an interdisciplinary team. That model of care we also think has implications uh, more broadly as it relates to organizing ourselves for value-based care. So we want to continue to invest in and grow our PACE programs. We also are structuring ourselves to continue to invest our resources as well as our uh, strategic growth plan around our memory support. We have seen, as I said earlier, we've seen our memory support occupancy remain fairly stable and start to pick up. And, you know, as you look at the, the, the needs of memory care and the service line and the service, I'm sorry, the services that it provides, it takes a lot of focus 
to do this well. And we believe that we have a core program that enables seniors and their families uh, that are experiencing challenges with dementia or other forms of memory care needs that we can continue to grow that service line. We also um, are looking at a short-term rehab model that maximizes the value-based care programs that are ongoing, and they're still continuing, by the way, and focusing on piloting this fiscal year some short-term rehab sites within our hospitals uh, or the skilled nursing units is what they used to be called. So we, we're going to continue to invest our time to stand up a couple of pilot sites. In the midst of the pandemic, we stood up a first market for a live-at-home program, which is a care management model on-demand services for uh, people that uh, continue to want to remain at home. And we are coordinating services for them ranging from obviously home care all the way through their food and housekeeping. So we are continuing to learn from that initial pilot and we'll continue to try to grow that program in the, in the new markets. And, you know, within those, those core pillars for us, you know, and as well as investing and repositioning of our current communities and finding opportunities for growth is going to continue to drive our overall strategy in the coming years. I'm curious, has the pandemic changed how you feel about the role of healthcare in senior living at all? It's really become a value to us as we've navigated through this pandemic. You know, currently right now, our residents have access to Ascension Online Care 24-7. You know, and we're also working with Ascension to develop a broader telehealth support model that's appropriate for our residents and our participants. And, you know, I think virtual visits are certainly not going uh, to be going away anytime soon. We've seen a lot of benefit of our residents being able to see specialized providers faster when it's appropriate, as well as mitigating some of the challenges that come with traditional physician visits, such as transportation, as an example. You know, we also expect that, you know, within the telehealth and technology space, that as we learn to navigate this pandemic, which we don't think is, we don't think that COVID-19 is going anywhere anytime soon for us, that there's going to be additional opportunities to bring healthcare services more at the forefront within the senior living and the housing services. I know Ascension Living is under the umbrella of the Ascension Health System. So tell me more about how Ascension Living has collaborated with Ascension during this pandemic. And also, do you feel like that's given you an advantage during all of this? Sure. Great question. And I will tell you that it has certainly been a pleasure working with our uh, counterparts across Ascension in several areas. So first, Our GPO, uh, which is called the Resource Group, has done an outstanding job in partnering with our communities, our leaders, and making sure that we have adequate PPE, not only back when we were headed into this pandemic in March, but also going forward as we look at our supplies and, and how to best make sure that we have enough on hand. So they have been outstanding. The other areas that we found extreme value in is our physician leadership across Ascension. We stood up a medical director call and learned a tremendous amount across the country as to what our medical directors and physician leaders in our communities were learning within their practices as well as in our communities. And having the physician support and leadership of some of our Ascension counterparts and colleagues have just been an an extreme help. As well as when we developed a testing strategy, we had great collaboration across Ascension uh, for testing, and uh, that has really helped us remain proactive in our testing approach. 
And then I would say the last area that I think is very proud of uh, in our collaboration within Ascension is our ability to support each other from a staffing perspective. I mentioned earlier that we had several Ascension Living Associates travel across the country to support some of our, our, our needs as we had associates on furlough. We also had our um, several acute care nurses and team members travel and, and also help our communities out that uh, were experiencing higher levels of associate furloughs. And that support combined has really been remarkable in helping us respond as well as continue to, to, to plan on being successful within this pandemic. You mentioned telehealth. How has Ascension Living used telehealth during the pandemic? And then just generally, what are your residents using it for? I would say the biggest benefit and the primary benefit has been the primary care, virtual visits, and our ability to, instead of wait for an appointment that may take uh, a couple of days or depending on the provider or specialty, a couple of weeks, being able to see our physicians faster has certainly helped us support the aging in place that our residents uh, strive for. And I think, as I said earlier, too, you know, m- moving forward, we, you know, we certainly believe that there will be more opportunities and healthcare interventions that can be supported via telehealth and or remote monitoring, as an example. So we are very excited about the, um, the growth in that space. And it's really all to the benefit of our residents that want more convenient access to care as well as to age in place. And I know that flexibilities and allowances from CMS has played a big role in the rise of telehealth over the past, you know, seven months or so. I'm curious, though, looking into the future, do you think that telehealth is going to continue to play a big role in senior living even after maybe the pandemic ends? Yeah, great question. And I'll tell you, I mean, we we certainly commend the, the leadership at CMS and all the state agencies. They have been great partners, as we've all work together uh, to make sure that we're delivering not only safe care, but also compliant care. You know, the, the waivers that they have put in place, we are certainly advocating that they remain. You know, I'm told by my advocacy, my advocacy colleagues that they have never seen CMS as responsive and approachable as they have been during this crisis. So I fully believe that as we've learned the successes of some of these waivers and the collaboration that, you know, as this pandemic, you know, quote unquote, normalizes, and it's just part of, of, of our day-to-day responsibility to provide care for those that have COVID, I believe that CMS and our government officials will continue to partner with us and to find additional efficient ways to make sure that our residents receive the adequate care that they all deserve. Does the COVID-19 pandemic influence or change how you feel about the role of the various components of the senior living continuum? And does it also influence or change how you feel about things like middle market senior living or active adult senior housing? One of the key values that senior living provides to older adults on top of you know the various services that we provide, such as the healthcare and dining and housekeeping and uh, the care coordination, but really that socialization aspect, that it's that sense of community. When you talk to our residents and they and you ask them, you know, why did you choose to to move into one of our communities? It's really around their feeling that being part of a broader community with access to services and to know that we're there with them along their journey is one of the key drivers for them. You know, and with us being a mission-based uh, Catholic organization. We also have a, a very heavy focus on the spiritual care that we provide our residents. You know, our thinking is that 
that benefit of senior living does not go away because of COVID-19. And I think in some respects, as people have been more isolated within their home and finding it challenging perhaps to get support that they need to age in place longer at home with their families and other caregivers, you know, I believe that the value of senior living perhaps will become even more relevant as we continue to, to move forward in this pandemic. And, you know, as it relates to, you know, the other housing service, you know, housing services in the, in, in the middle market, you know, we're certainly challenging ourselves right now to say, how do we make sure that our communities are positioned well to offer a more middle market pricing model that is flexible and provides that same benefit? So we're still working through, obviously, the, you know, how does that live out? How do the residents that choose to move into that model in our communities make sure that, that they receive the overall value that uh, we're providing today. So we, we're still working through that. We do believe that there is substantial growth opportunity for that middle market. And I am very confident that our industry will continue to be creative and work together and collaborate to serve this population as well. What about residents or their families? Do you think the pandemic is changing how they see senior housing? You know, I've talked to some providers who said that before the pandemic, you know, residents and their families might have been swayed by things like hospitality or socialization. Now that we have a pandemic on top of us, though, they are thinking more about things like safety, security, healthcare. So what are your thoughts on that? The, the number one challenge as we work with our prospective residents is still the same. It's, it's hey, I'm not, I'm not ready yet or I'm not ready to make that decision yet. So, you know, that, that decision is, uh, and that decision point is not going away. I think to your point around, you know, their evaluation of their options, in addition to the socialization and that sense of community, but the overall safety components is certainly at the forefront of our marketing plan to make sure that we communicate and demonstrate with outcomes that as they choose to move in with us, that number one, they're going to have transparency and understand where we are with respect to not only COVID, but, all, but, but in general, how we're doing as it relates to the healthcare services that we provide. So that, that for us is going to be a key driver in our remarketing plan that we're working on implementing right now. The other, the other area that, that you mentioned is security. Pre-COVID, you know, our, our organization started more planning as it relates to, to overall security of, of our communities. And we are on our journey right now to implement a very consistent approach where we understand and know uh, not only our emergency management response programs, but also just ongoing security. You know, we believe that, you know, we can communicate and demonstrate on a daily basis that if you choose to move in with us, you are just as safe with us as being at home. And in fact, if we can find ways for you to engage uh, not only within the community, but also with your families and your friends more in a, and also in a safe manner, that that really helps our value in the long run. Looking ahead, where do you think there will be opportunities in the market? And how is Ascension Living thinking about its growth plans right now? So in the, in the near term, we've done a thorough review of each of our communities around, number one, you know, how do we ensure that we're continuing to deliver the level of care and the outcomes that we're all accountable to throughout this window of time 
where we're still learning the COVID uh, pandemic implications. So that's number one. Number two is within that that review that we've completed on each community is we, we looked at opportunities for growth. We said we did a thorough market evaluation, a demand projection per service line. And given some of the occupancy challenges within skilled nursing, we're trying to reimagine how do we serve the community and can we repurpose space that's, that, that can be meningful to prospective residents as well as be competitive both in the mid um, and the traditional senior living market. So we are working forward right now in implementing repositioning is what we're calling it internally. We actually invested in an entire team to do this work. We have a new vice president of of transformation that uh, is spearheading these efforts for our repositioning. And we have a strategic growth team that includes representatives and leaders from every discipline to make sure that we're approaching this in the very best way to make sure that we do achieve the growth that we believe we can. That growth will look like transformation of existing real estate or space into memory support. We're also looking at taking a community and and trying to add in more of that middle market independent living. And we're going to try that out and see what we can learn from it. So we anticipate to continue this journey internally uh, for the foreseeable future and make sure that we invest in our communities. The other the other key component for us is is around new growth and new markets. And you ask, what do I think that that, that, that looks like? I'll tell you that we have a lot of, of growth resources right now around our PACE program. I, I would love for us to double our PACE size in the next three to four years. Today, we serve 700 participants every day. For us to be able to, to grow that to over 1,400 in the next several years, would be would be a great accomplishment because you know we've we've really stood up our pace organization and the and the organizational structure just 18 months ago and the work that they have done to make sure that we have the right foundations in place to then grow the program that is very close to our mission is just remarkable so we're going to continue to look at new geography uh, for pace growth and as I mentioned earlier too the other key area for us is is we are going to pilot the transitional rehab to home care model within the hospital space. You know, we, before the pandemic, our VP of strategy spent time talking with prospective residents and patients that were evaluating short-term rehab needs. And, you know, simply said, they, you know, a lot of our patients and th- that were evaluating skilled nursing, they would rather stay in the hospital for an extra week or week and a half, as opposed to being transferred out to a skilled nursing facility. So we are going to test that and see what that model looks like in a couple of our markets this next year. So I think between our existing repositioning that I outlined, as well as investing in our pace growth, and as well as piloting some more of our uh, rehab to home emerging model, that, that's where you'll see us grow over the next couple of years. I've talked with some providers who worry about potentially hard flu season in the next few months here. So I want to get your take on the future. How is Ascension Living thinking about the next six to 12 months or so? Sure. And um, yeah, I think all of us have uh, varying projections on what does this all look like. And I'll tell you, you know, one thing that, that keeps me up at night and I feel a lot better about is, you know, what, what, what does a combined COVID and flu season look like? You know, the good news is from a, from a flu perspective, you know, the, the precautions that you take to prevent the flu are the same ones that you take to prevent uh, COVID-19. And, you know, we have learned that, you know, as we've organized and started to prepare for the flu season, you know, we're definitely promoting 
uh, to get your flu shot. So for anybody listening, please go get your flu shot. We think it's more important than ever that you receive one uh, this year. And, you know, as we as we wait for a vaccine, we cannot stop and let our guard down. We, you know, I can tell you that our communities are very focused on ensuring that we're implementing and we're inspecting the precautions and protocols that we've put in place on a daily basis. And that has to continue as we understand, you know, what will be the benefit of the vaccine. We certainly believe that there will be a vaccine, you know, and that our residents and healthcare workers will be prioritized. We're going to advocate for that. And we have to learn what that first round of vaccine looks like and the outcomes of it. And for us to get comfortable, you know, six plus six plus months from now, I think if we continue to be re- relentless in our focus on infection control and prevention, as well as be open to and, and advocating for the COVID-19 vaccine as it becomes available, that'll position us well to continue to respond and then to continue to also see a return of our occupancy and volumes to pre-COVID-19 levels. You know, in the short term, margins are squeezed as expenses are higher and, you know, there's less revenue. So it seems like this is a, still a, a hard environment to operate in. So do you have any sense as to what it will take for operators to maintain this way of doing business? And then just generally, maybe how much longer you think the industry can, can do this? You know, it's going to take a lot of partnership with, with our industry in, in total. You know, we've been, as an industry, very grateful for the CARES Act funding that many organizations have recognized and received. We've also seen great partnership, as I alluded to earlier, with our government agencies locally in our states and within our counties, as well as CMS. And I think as long as our dialogue remains open and we are transparent with where we are from an economic perspective, that we will continue to see that support from those agencies and uh, as, as, as well as CMS. And, you know, I think, you know, something for, for Ascension Living in particular, you know, for us, what's, what's really going to be important is that we continue operationally to focus on the areas that we have most influence on. And we, you know, we, we can't always control every day if a resident or an, an, an associate uh, that we admit, you know, ends up having COVID. If they have COVID, uh, upon admission, and that was missed at the hospital, as an example, we don't always have control over that. What we can do is make sure that as we learn about it, that we continue to mobilize and care for that for that individual with all the resources that we have. The areas of control that we can have most influence on on the expense side are certainly, you know, within our labor side. I think that's an opportunity for us. I think the harder one is certainly supplies. When you look at our days of supplies on hand, compared to where they were pre-COVID, we obviously are carrying much more supplies uh, every day on hand, which is a good thing, as well as our ongoing testing uh, that, that we are providing. So there's a lot of focus, I know, across the industry on, you know, as we understand where this uh, COVID pandemic takes us long-term, what are those short-term opportunities on the expense side as we understand the longer-term revenue implications? So lots to learn still. It's definitely a day-by-day learning journey, I think, that we're all on. And as I said earlier, as long as we keep the open collaboration and communication with those same organizations and governing bodies that are supporting us now, I think we're going to weather the storm just fine. 
Well, I think that is a good spot to leave it. Danny Stricker, thank you so much for coming on Transform today. I feel like I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did too. So again, thanks for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Transform. Don't forget to check out the SHN Architecture and Design Awards at shnawards.com. Again, submissions are currently open, and the final entry deadline is October 31. I'm Tim Regan for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.